and they're stopping the fight. They're stopping the fight. The fight has been stopped. Sometimes the best talk show hosts just listen. Today on the JT and Looney podcast, episode 21, JT listens to Teddy Atlas about building his life after getting arrested for robbing a bank and doing time on Rikers Island. Teddy has a fascinating story. His dad was a doctor. His mother was a Miss America contestant. He was robbing banks, but it's a great story of redemption. And Oscar de la Hoya lived his life the opposite way. All of his success came very young, which left him with an identity crisis at about 40 years old, when normal people are benefiting from the fruits of their labor. JT listens to Teddy Atlas, and I listen to Oscar De La Hoya. It's the JT and Looney Podcast Listening Party, Episode 21. Hall of Famer Teddy Atlas joins us. Teddy, I want to spend some time talking about you because I know your son with the Raiders and I think your background, your early life, growing up in Staten Island, your mom, your dad, what were your earliest memories growing up as a kid in Staten Island because it was rough and tough at times. You were learning. You were a street kid with a great family. What were those memories that still come back to you every day when you wake up, when you look at your early years? No, some of it I regret, you know. I, but I, what I don't regret is that, you know, with the help of a lot of people and the grace of God, I I got to the right place. I got to a good place, um, and I guess that's what counts is that you get to the right place eventually. I, but I have regrets. I guess I wanted more of my father's attention, and my father was a special man. But you know, sometimes special men can't be, they can't be the parents. They're good parents by example, and they are, and they're special. But my father was a doctor, and all his time went to that. And he built two hospitals so the poor people could have a proper place to get health care way before any talk about Obamacare or any HMOs or any of that stuff. He built hospitals so people could get care that normally couldn't get care. And he was there 24-7, and he took care of these people. But he wasn't home as much and as great a man as he was as a kid you're selfish you know you want time you want your father and you don't really know how to understand that you don't know how to you know comprehend that in your mind all you know is that you're not getting them you know who was getting his time the people that were sick the people that needed it but i wasn't seeing that i was just seeing the fractured people the broken people the people that had problems they were getting to see him you know what I did? I went and I invented problems for myself. Mm-hmm. So I thought I could get his attention. And we do things like that sometimes. We act in a way that that is not necessarily the best way. It undermines us in some ways. But it's in a way that we feel at that time will get us what we wanted. I wanted my father's attention. And unfortunately, I did some things that were outside the lines of what I should be doing to get that attention. But... Finally, I got to the place, I got to the right place where I was able to properly understand things, keep things in perspective, uh, properly grow up, and I was able to get to the right place. And I did it without, um, thankful, without hurting too many people other than myself. I still regret 
the things I put my family through to get to that place, you know, where I put them through, uh, through not as worrying about me, but through some embarrassment of my actions. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like in my business. Sometimes you got to lose a fight to win, you know, to understand what it is that it really takes to be a winner, what it really takes to be able to get to where you want to get to on a consistent basis. But sometimes you got to fall down a little bit, and you got to fail yourself a little bit to understand how you don't fail yourself anymore. Teddy Atlas is our guest. Teddy, I want to stay with that, with the backdrop of New York City as a kid. You talked about the success of your dad, and I think a lot of people are connecting with that, and they connect on your podcast. I rebelled against my dad at a stage in my life. I have two young sons, and looking back, what were those temptations like for you? Because before you hooked up with Custom Auto, and as an amateur boxer, before you became a legendary trainer, when you talk about those regrets, was it running with your buddies? Was it trying to be someone cooler and different? Friend, because you're looking back and you seem like you're very reflective of the mistakes you made, but it helped build you into the man that you are today. Yeah, I think that I think the greatest the greatest regret that I have is that um, I just I didn't understand sooner that you know I didn't understand sooner what the what the journey I was on, where it was taking me, um, that, it, you know, it wasn't really taking me where I thought it was. I was in a sort of a righteous place where I was doing wrong things thinking I was right because in my mind it would get the attention of my father. And there's still rules, you know, there are still parameters, there's still guidelines, there's still walls that you have to abide by and you have to respect. Um, even though you want to get somewhere. And I just wish that I had been more cognizant of that uh, rather than getting to that confused place where I actually thought that those rules didn't really matter mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, I was trying to get what I wanted to get. In other words, I guess that I would have been a little stronger in those ways, a little mm -hmm. less, you hate to say it, but a little less selfish because at the end of the day, even though you do, you do feel that what you're doing is warranted, what you're doing is justified in your mind, you still have to step back sometimes and say, well, it's justified in a way that I wanted to, to justify it, uh, not in a way that it's really acceptable, and not in a way where it's going to wind up hurting somebody else. And I wish I could have done it with, you know, again, without, without having hurt my family, without having hurt my father. Uh, in some of the ways that I did, and I just wish that I had gotten to the, I got into the good place a little sooner, um, where he could have seen more of it and could have been just a little bit more aware that I finally understood what he was doing. Sounds like you learned a lot as you're a fi uh, as a parent. How has that helped you be a parent today? And what are some of those life lessons that you pass down to your kids? That you have to be consistent. You know, you can't just be, you can't just be a guy. It's kind of like being a trainer. You know, you can't just be a guy that's, that barks out orders, that says do five rounds on a bag, do three rounds on a skip rope, do four rounds in a mirror, and do five rounds, you know, over there, and do uh, three miles of road work in the morning. No, you have to get in there and teach. You have to get there and explain why you're doing that. You got to show how to do it. You know, if you're going to be a good trainer, you got to be a teacher. 
You know, you're going to be a good coach like Gruden's doing and developing the Raiders. You got to be out there and you got to show. You can't just yell, hey, you know, do a half hour of this. You got to explain why. And you got to back it up by showing that you're willing to, to do those things too. And I think that's the most important thing is to be consistent in those, in those kind of ways, in those kind of avenues. And um, I think the most important thing to me that I learned is that you, you teach your children you teach your children that it's, it's not just about, you know, immediate satisfaction. It's about down the road. You know, it's about, it's about your reputation. It's about who you are. And those are things that are lasting. You know, it's not just about immediate pleasure that, hey, you know, you want to you wanna do something now because it satisfies how you feel right now because it's immediate, because it's convenient. You know, the things that are most important in this world, they're not really convenient. You know, uh, they're things that, that there's more that goes into it. But they're long-lasting, and they're long-serving. And um, I think those are the kind of things that I try to, that I hope I teach as a parent. Nicely said, Teddy. Teddy, why the podcast now? What are you excited about? You're everywhere, from ESPN to all the work you've done throughout your career. How are you connecting with new audience members now with the launch of this podcast and YouTube channel? It's growing really fast. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a caveman. You know, I don't <laughs> understand about the social media world, world, the sophistication of everything out there. I had a flip phone a little over a year ago, um, but I'm, I'm learning and. When they tell me that we're getting 200,000 views and we got a million views in uh, three months, I, I start to understand that, uh, and I appreciate, maybe that's the word I should use, I appreciate that people care about hearing what I'm saying, that, that people listen, that people want to hear it, um, and that these things resonate with people. And when you tell them things that, again, the word, not convenient, that, that you believe are true, and based on things that... It should be based on not on convenience, you know, not on just being having somebody like you or being favorable with somebody or, you know, being being able to help you immediately in a situation where somebody will rail against you, but saying something that that you believe that 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 even if it is inconvenient to say, even if it's not fashionable, you know, even if it is something that's not popular, uh, that you say it. People, I'm starting to realize more and more that that's what people want. And um, I appreciate that it's resonating with them. And they're coming out in the kind of numbers that they are to listen to the show. People tell me it's, you know, it's growing all the time and it's gotten to levels where usually it takes a lot longer if you ever get there. But Mm -hmm. it takes a lot longer to get there. And we're getting to those places. So, again, I just feel very... um, I feel very fortunate. One thing that's great thing about if you interview Madonna, Kobe, Oscar De La Hoya, you don't need to say world champion. You don't need to say promoter. And that's really cool what you've done with your brand. And let's talk about that. By the time you were 18 years old, you had accomplished the biggest goal and the most important goal in your life. You wanted to win a gold medal for your mother who had died. What kind of downside is there in life by achieving incredible goals so young. Whitney Houston, by the time she was 23, was filling yeah. stadiums. She bought her mother a house. She bought <laughs> herself a house. She had a Rolls Royce. She never drove because she was always in limousines. She made millions of dollars, so she turned to cocaine. Right. 
which you've had issues with later on, later on in your 30s, because yeah. every goal you wanted to accomplish, you accomplished, and you were still very young. What's right. the downside of that? Well, the downside is that um, you're not handed over a, a document where it states, uh, okay, well, uh, when you get money and you're so-and-so age and you're going to have a, a, a posse behind you, uh, right. entourage and this and that, you know, okay, so you have to do this, this and that. And you go down the list and you take a look. Like, there's no handbook for it, you know? Right. Um, and so what do you do? You learn it uh, uh, when you're in the streets. You learn it when you're from whoever you're surrounded by. Right. I mean, that's why it's very important that you surround yourself with great people. Uh, people who are going to take care of you. People who are going to look out for you. And um, a lot of times um, when you are a celebrity, when you are a star uh, making a lot of money, um, sometimes uh, a few uh, bad apples uh, kind of uh, sneak their way into right. your circle, and uh, and then that's when things can uh, go wrong. Now, a lot of times when some non-white people are outrageously successful, like you are, we want you to give back to the community. <laughs> we, we don't ask Bruce Springsteen to do it. We don't ask the Rolling Stones to do it. But we ask Oscar De La Hoya to do it. Move out of Boyle Heights, but make right. sure you come back and give us lots of stuff. Or, yeah. actually, it's the society. They're not asking you. Society tells you to. And I see the white memorial vans that you pay for going mm. up and down the streets. Yeah. Um, why do we ask non-whites to give back to the community, but we don't ask Bruce Springsteen and Mick Jagger? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I think I think I mean we we the perception we have is that you know I mean or, or that people have is that you know the the American uh, the white American right. uh, is is you know is 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 well off um, you know has money um, um, is, and we admire them when they save it. <laughs> right, exactly, and so you look. You look at you look at um, you know uh, if you're Latino, if you're right. black, if you're you know uh, you know well the you know he lives in East LA or he uh, you know uh, is not well off uh, right. like like the American you know uh, so uh, the uh, natural thing to do is is to give back to to those less fortunate right. than you you know and so I think it's just a perception. I mean, I think I think in America, especially today. Um, it doesn't matter what race, color you are. I mean, the, people need help, and, and and it doesn't matter if it's in right. East LA or right. or in the, out in the Midwest or wherever. People need help. I once saw you pumping your own gas into your car alone at the AMPM Mini Mart at Whittier and Lorena. Uh -huh. How often do you travel around alone with no entourage? I, I actually always do. Uh -huh. um, I've learned over the years that um, you know the, the bigger you get or the, the more popular you get or the more money you have, it's like you want to travel and you want to uh, uh, not be seen with too many people because if I was coming around with um, an entourage of 10, then right. people are going to are gonna scratch their head like, well, who's there? Who's, who's you know, the, is, is there a celebrity there? Or, you know, and if I'm by myself and maybe you probably took a double take, right? And, right. and you were like, oh, that can't be him, <laughs> right? Um, you know, it's, it's the, the better, uh, the less uh, attention I get, uh, the better, you know. Oscar de la Hoya. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the JT and Looney podcast. Champ, thank you. <laughs> sábado, sábado, sábado. 27 de septiembre en HBO. Dos fuerzas peligrosas se topan. El matador de Nicaragua, Ricardo Mayorga. Contra el Pride de Oxnard, California. Sugar Shane Mosley. En vivo de Los Angeles. DSPM. DSPM. Solo. On HBO, El Corazón y Alma de Boxeo.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.